Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the highlight of human civilization. You know, sometimes I say that and you think it's hyperbole, but today is real. This will be the best thing you ever saw in your life. No, that's not a lot. That's not true. It'll be the second best thing you ever heard. Second best thing. We'll talk about the first best thing later. But if you'd like to take this experience up to levels which you can't even understand with your tiny human brain, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, Chelsea Stein, a canteen jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine the other day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip and habits. Now go. Very good, very good. I felt like when I was doing the simultaneous sip thing, I was talking like uh, SpongeBob a little bit, or like the beginning of the SpongeBob show. Here's a tiny little bit of trivia for you. You know the voice of uh, SpongeBob, uh, Tom Kinney? He was also the voice of Ashok the intern on my Dilbert TV show that lasted two half seasons. Small world. Anyway, uh, we have so much news. We're going to get to the big news. We're going to talk about Mike Benz, and we're going to talk about Trump's legal stuff and all that. But have you seen the uh, AI from Gemini yet? Or the, uh, I think it's Google's product, Gemini. Man, I hear it's amazing. Has anybody tried it yet? How many of you have tried it? Because I hear it's incredible. Yeah. Anyway, I'll tell you why I said that later. <laughs> sometimes things are not what they seem. Yeah, sometimes things are not exactly what they seem. All right, well, uh, there's a study that says uh, exercise is way more effective than antidepressants. Uh, almost twice as effective, more than twice as effective. So they actually, now I thought this was going to be backward science. Uh, I was all ready to say, oh, I found another one, because I like to do backward science stories where they, they get the correlation backwards, and it's sort of obvious. It's like, uh, no, I don't think jail causes crime. I think the crime caused the jail, you know, that sort of thing. So as soon as I saw that uh, the people who exercised were in better mental health than the people who didn't, I said to myself, ah, oh, it's one of these fake studies where obviously the real correlation is that if you're sad, you don't exercise as much. You know, obvious. But it turns out they may have done this one correctly in the sense that they had a control group, and they did not just uh, do a retrospective study of how people already felt. They had a bunch that went on drugs and a bunch that went on nothing but exercise, and they compared them, and it wasn't even close. Now, I'm going to add this to my other category of story. I call it Should Have Asked Scott. Should have asked Scott. Is there even one time you ever went for a walk on a nice day and you didn't feel better when you were done? <laughs> even once. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, I feel like we all feel that like it's just as clear as you could possibly feel it, that your mental health is absolutely positively influenced by your exercise and going outdoors. And if you exercise outdoors, even better. Now, I 
do wonder if this study was compromised by the fact that the people were exercising, in many cases, outdoors. Because then you wonder, wait, was it the outdoors part? Because when you take pills, you're indoors, usually. When you exercise, you're outdoors. So did they really study exercise? Or did they accidentally study going outdoors? Well, should have asked Scott. They're both good. Going outdoors, absolutely, is going to help your mental health. Exercise, 100% is going to help your, me- your mental health. Do I care if this study was a little mixed up and maybe you don't know if it was the going outdoors or the exercise? I don't care. Do both of those things. Speaking of health, uh, Elon Musk weighed in on the question of hormonal birth control. And he posted this, hormonal birth control makes you fat, doubles risk of depression, and triples the risk of suicide. And he says, this is clear scientific consensus, but very few people seem to know it. Hmm. You know how you could have known that? You could have asked me, even without the science. (laughs) Do you know how I knew? I've observed it. (laughs) How, How many of you have observed this directly? that you saw somebody go on birth control and everything changed? Yeah. You've observed it directly. Um, Ashley St. Clair has a you know a story, her anecdotal story. Now, we don't want to make too much of an anecdotal story, but I've heard the same anecdotal story enough times that how in the world could it not change your mentality or your, your mental health if they change your hormones? How could it not? <laughs> I, I, I'm seeing in the comments, apologies to two ex-husbands. Perhaps so. Perhaps so. Now, I don't blame any woman who's on um, birth control because you know the entire health community is telling you to do it. So I think this is probably one of the biggest um, abuses of health care, maybe equal to the... Um, the vaccinations, maybe equal to COVID, and maybe as big as the poisoning of our food supply. See, it's becoming more and more clear that the entities we thought were helping us stay safe are exactly the entities that are making money by not making us safe. This seems obvious now, doesn't it? And I also, uh, this whole birth control thing, if you assume that it's true, that would give men two choices for relationships. One, a woman who's having mental health crisis and uh, doesn't find you attractive anymore because when you take the birth control, it changes who you think is attractive. So that's a losing proposition. Or you could be with a woman who's not on birth control and you could have a high risk of having an unwanted pregnancy. And maybe your life would be completely altered, maybe for the good, but completely altered by that experience. Those are two bad choices, are they not? I I used to think that there was a good choice. Like when I was young and I thought the pill was as safe as anything, I thought it was all tested. And I thought, oh, there's a safe choice. As long as you're with the woman who's on birth control, you know, if you got tested for the other stuff, not really much risk. But it turns out there is no risk-free way for a young single man to be with a young single woman. There's no way to do it without an unsafe risk. (laughs) Like, literally, there's no way to do it. So 
what would you predict from a situation in which there's no safe way for a young man to be with a young woman? <laughs> it's exactly what you'd expect. You'd expect the birth, you'd expect marriage to be plummeting. You'd expect uh, the unwanted pregnancies of single women with no guy in their life to be through the roof. You'd expect a mental health, you know, crisis because the maybe the hormones. It's exactly what you'd expect. All right, uh, Sam Altman, you know him from uh, ChatGPT, CEO of that company. And Sam was explaining in some uh, event about success. He said, the most underrated quality is being really determined. This is more important than being smart, having a network, or a great idea. Does that sound uh, pretty wise? I mean, obviously, he knows how success works because he's super successful. And he knows a lot of super successful people. So it's not about being smart. It's about, you know, the determination more than other things. Follow your passion. Now, I hate to break it to you, but today is going to be all about destroying all your illusions. Oh, I got a few illusions that you're going you're gonna to lose today. Here's the first illusion you're going to lose. The reason that smart, successful people tell you that brains are not important is so you don't kill them and take their stuff. That's why. Because if Sam Altman got up there and said, you know, the, honestly, the secret to success is I was just born smarter than you. And the reason I work so hard is because being as smart as I am, I know I'm working on the right things because I'm smart. And also, I have a really good chance that they'll work out because I'm really smart. And you put all those things together, and it really makes sense to work really smart to change the world because I'm smart. Right. The, the alpha variable is genius. If Elon Musk tells you that the reason he's successful is because he slept under his desk and worked all night, well, that's certainly part of it. You know, it's a big part of the motivation, getting everybody else on board, focus. It's important. But he's the richest person in the world because he's a genius. <laughs> the, other, the other stuff, he was lucky that you know, he could also either produce or uh, he had them. But it's the genius first, by far. So uh, don't be fooled by people who tell you it's nothing but determination. You do have to have the determination, but knowing when to quit is important. And having a talent stack is important. So if you can't be born a genius, you can fake it. There's a way to fake it. If you combine enough talents, you know, you just learn how to do stuff, and they fit together well, you can effectively be a genius with an average IQ because nobody else would have your certain specific combination of skills. So that, you know, there, there's lots of ways to do that, but you can basically fake being a genius. You can also fake luck. Do you know how to fake luck? Because obviously luck you can't directly change. You go where there's more of it. So I grew up in a tiny town in which there were, there were you know, very few opportunities. So the first thing I did was move to San Francisco when I got out of college. Because there was a ton of stuff happening in the Bay Area. There was just so much energy that, that luck was all over the place. You could just grab some as it went by. So, no, uh, luck is completely manageable, 
Genius is a little bit manageable by combining talents to make you the special one in the room. And determination is also manageable. Because <laughs> if you know how success works and you've put together all the parts, the determination comes a little bit almost automatically. Do you know what will make you work really hard? So I say to you, hey, I got an idea. If you work for 20 hour, 24 hours straight without sleep, no sleep, 24 hours straight, I'll give you a billion dollars. And you say, what am I working on? You go, uh, digging a ditch. Like, it's going to be hard. 24 hours, you're going to be, you're going to have calluses, no, blisters, not even calluses. You have blisters, every part of you will hurt. And you go, but I'm going to get a billion dollars when I'm done, right? Right, right. How many of you could dig a ditch for 24 hours if you, if you knew for sure you'd get a billion dollars? Every one of you. Determination is free. Let me say that again. Determination is free. <laughs> it comes with the other stuff. You do everything else right and you'll, you'll pound through a wall because you know that as soon as you're done with pounding through the wall, treasure chest. So be careful about the advice of uh, successful people. They may not know exactly why they're successful themselves. That's common. But they may not be able to explain it to you as honestly as they should. So, uh, Ryan Fournier reports on the X platform that uh, San Francisco just appointed someone to their uh, San Francisco Elections Commission. And that by itself wouldn't be much news, would it? It's the San Francisco Elections Committee. So it's the, uh, this commission figures out the policies for elections. So who did they put on the Elections Commission to do the policies for elections? Let's see, checking notes. Um, someone who can't legally vote. Someone who's not a citizen. That, that's really happening. Now... This would be the place where I put my brilliant commentary on top of the news. Not necessary. <laughs> nope. Nope. I'm just going to let this one just sit there. You can do it yourself. Put your own commentary on this one. It's a story. just does it all by itself. Anyway, here's, one of my, here's my favorite positive story of the day. We'll get to the negative stuff later. Um, off of Honduras, in Central America, there's a little island. And um, some entrepreneurs uh, are well on the way to building, I guess it's already partly built, or half built, or mostly built. It's called Prospera, and it's on the island of uh, Roatan. And if you want to buy something there, you've got to use crypto. And they've got a bunch of startups and uh, biotech and robotics and apparently, they're just trying to build a city from scratch in which everything is just done right. How much do you like that? <laughs> a couple of the visitors who went there to speak recently were uh, Balaji Srinivasan, Naval Ravikant. Do you remember I told you um, that if you know what's happening, you don't know anything? If you know who, you know everything. So if you don't know who uh, Balaji Srinivasan and uh, Naval Ravikant are, basically the two smartest people in the world. 
So if they went, both went there to visit, both had a positive experience from it, keep an eye on this. Just keep an eye on this. Trust me. <laughs> uh, I've been telling you for a long time that, in my opinion, the biggest economic driver of the future, besides robots, I suppose, um, is going to be building cities from scratch. And when I saw about this city, I said to myself, hey, maybe I found my second home or my escape home or the place I could go that doesn't suck. Now, uh, if you wanted to go there, um, I would suggest that you bring your own woman because there's no indication that any female is anywhere and <laughs> has been anywhere near that island. <laughs> so so there, there may be one flaw. There might just be one flaw in the plan. <laughs> I don't think there are any women there. Now I'm joking. I'm sure there are. But uh, I would, I'd be a little bit careful of who the island attracts in the first wave because it's going to be, yeah, nerdtopia. Um, and I think it'll be awesome in the long run, but you're going to have to get some women there. That's somewhat necessary for the whole civilization thing. All right, uh, now the real... The real uh, thing that might make a difference is that if you build this uh, city that's on an island that's hard to get to, um, you may have escaped the DEI problem. So they may have built a civilization that operates on merit, and they wouldn't have to worry about all the DEI stuff because they're in a different country, and nobody, no homeless people are going to walk over there. Poor people can't get to it if they tried. So they may have found a workaround to get around the DEI uh, trap. Speaking of that, um, you, you probably heard this story before, but it's just, it's just worth mentioning again. Did you hear about the Harvard professor? He was an economist. And in 2016, he published a study to find out about uh, police shooting of black citizens versus white. And he was an economics professor, uh, Roland... Friar, and he did find that uh, police were more than twice as likely to manhandle or, or beat up um, black and Hispanics when they stopped him, but uh, they were less likely to shoot blacks <laughs> than whites, a lot less likely, as in 24% less likely, like a lot. And apparently when that happened, the entire world blew up and he was so at risk he had to get security because apparently the truth is really, really dangerous. So I put that there just as another example of uh, <laughs> the truth is dangerous so we can't have any of it. Now, I wanted to, uh, I've been showing you some fun examples of what I call liar face. Now, just to review, liar face is what liars do when they know they're lying. So this is not, you don't do this if you are just deluded or you have TDS. This is when you know you're lying, and the tell is your eyes go wide during the, during the lie, <clears throat> and your mouth, for a moment, your mouth doesn't seem to match the eyes. That's the tell. Now... I'm going to show you a picture of someone you'd recognize. And I want you to say, does his face always look like that? Or is, any, or is he in the middle of a lie? 
All right, let's show it first the locals platform. All right, does it look at the eyes? Is that the way his eyes normally look? All right, here you guys. Do his eyes normally look like that? No, he was right in the middle of a lie. Uh, this is a number of years ago, in which he was explaining that Trump was crazy to imagine the government was spying on him. This, this is mid-lie. I actually caught the video at the moment he was telling you that uh, Trump was not being spied on. Now, have you seen enough examples yet? Liar face is a real thing. <laughs> you, know, I, I'm, you, you all know, because I say it too often, uh, I'm a trained hypnotist. When, you, when you're trained as a hypnotist, one of the skills you learn is to look for micro-changes in faces. So you're just studying, you're studying faces all the time to watch, you know, the eyes don't match the mouth and, you know, if there's a skin tone change or there's, you get flush, you know, any micro changes you're always looking for. And that tells you if the hypnosis is working, basically. But the, the uh, sort of related skill you pick up is you can identify liars with a precision that's just crazy. Now, only if they haven't practiced too much. If, if they're talking off the cuff, you can, you can see it every time. But if they've practiced, you know, like a car dealer, a car, car dealership, you're not going to see the lie. The, the eyes aren't going to open, probably, because they're too practiced. So that's called liar face. So let's talk about the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the legal case against Trump. That doesn't even narrow it down, does it? There's so many legal cases against Trump, I honestly can't keep them straight. They all look a little bit similar to me. However, this latest one, I think I have it right. This is uh, Judge uh, uh, Dobie the House Elf. I believe that's his name. Dobie the House, Dobby the House Elf. So he's a judge in New York, and he decided that uh, Trump uh, is just a terrible man. A terrible man, and uh, all of his many, many financial... Uh, corruption problems are so bad that he had to fine him a uh, uh, hundred gazillion bazillion trillion dollars. Yeah, I'm rounding off because there's going to be some interest involved. So gazillion bazillion trillion dollars, and uh, also Eric Trump and uh, his brother they're going to owe some money because I don't know just because they're related and they remind you of Trump or something. I don't know what the answer reasons are. Basically, all the reasons that come out of the judge and the trial are all bullshit. You know that, right? You know, it's, we've broken into two complete movies. Again, the movie I'm watching, I saw a complete corruption of justice. I saw a corrupt judge in a corrupt system uh, handing down a judgment that would never happen to any other person. That's what I saw in my movie. Here's what the... Uh, Here's what MSNBC is telling you with their eyes really wide open. They're telling you that uh, there are so many financial corruptions involved in this case. Are there? I thought it was just a difference about the value of something, and that never really matters because the bank always checks on their own and it's just sort of standard business anyway. But according to MSNBC... There are so many uh, violations of financial law involved here. Uh, I didn't see any, but there are so many, according to them, that if you allowed Trump not to be punished, do you know what that could lead to? It could lead to 
a lack of credibility in the financial system. Do you know what that could lead to? A cr- uh, the crumbling of civilization itself. Do you know what that could lead to? Cannibalism. Cannibalism. So the MSNBC take is that if you allow a bank to make a lot of money giving a loan to Trump, but his estimate of the value of his properties was wildly different than the bank's, and of course the bank checks themselves, that's their normal way of business, they never, ever, ever, not once, take the word of the applicant for the loan. Has never happened in the history of bank loans. Won't do it once, didn't do it this time, never, ever. They check or they look at a document that they trust. And so so this is what would happen. Uh, Because the bank made a lot of money and they're very happy about the transaction, and Trump, if he's not seriously punished by having to pay a gazillion, trillion, bazillion, zillion, gazillion dollars, if they don't make him do that, then he could do this again. You know, right now, even while I'm talking, uh, he might be overvaluing an asset right now. That could be happening. I mean, imagine. If he overvalues an asset while banks are happy and making money from him and he's got his loan that he's paying off on time, well, just the fact that he's overvalued those assets and could do it again is going to destroy the financial credibility of our system, which in turn destroys civilization itself, which in turn leads to cannibalism. So if you want cannibalism, you assholes, well, then you should be in favor of this being overturned. But if you want to be good people, good people, the kind that watch MSNBC and think it's real, well, then you would want... Trump to pay a fine of one gazillion trillion facillion dollars because that's how you protect the system. Um, Elon Musk asks a question which I should know the answer to, but I don't. He said on a post, uh, who is Trump supposed to pay given that there were no victims? Wait. What? Wait. It's a lawsuit, which means that somebody was aggrieved. So the bad person pays money to compensate. Hold on. To compensate for the victims. But the victims made $100 million. Huh. It's almost as if the entire thing is bullshit. Almost. I'm starting to think it's all bullshit. But we can tell it's not. I mean, you know, don't, don't imagine that our, our justice system is corrupt. Come on, you guys. You know the justice system is not corrupt. Let's listen to some of the things that the judge said. Uh, The judge said that uh, Trump had a complete lack of contrition and remorse for making that bank $100 million and paying off his loan on time, and that it borders on the pathological that he wouldn't believe the illegitimate corrupt uh, justice system was doing a good job to help the country, Um, and that uh, that, uh, 
even though Trump is not Bernie Madoff, you know, he's not that bad, didn't kill anybody, they are incapable of admitting the errors of their ways. They're incapable. You know, if Trump will not admit that Mar-a-Lago is only worth $18 million, well, let me, let me explain this to you. If Trump doesn't agree with the judge's estimate that Mar-a-Lago, which is clearly worth over $100 million, if he doesn't agree with the obvious fake fact that 100% of the observers know is a fake fact, if he doesn't agree with what is not true, that's a sign that he's incapable of admitting the error of his ways. And because he can't admit that the thing that we all know is not true and has been proven not to be true and the court showed is not to be true, that it, because he can't admit that, he must pay. Because otherwise the financial system will crumble, civilization will crumble, cannibalism. You understand. I mean, it all just follows. Now, uh, I'm being a little bit um, team player here. The other issue is that apparently Trump would not admit that his um, penthouse was 33,000, or no, it was 11,000 square feet, not 33,000. Now, my guess is that he thought it was 33,000. Uh, have you ever had anybody ask you about the size of something like your house or something, and you give them a wrong number, and then later you're like, oh, she, no, it's not, that's not that. It's actually a different number. I've done that a million times. <laughs> it's very common. You actually remember something, but you just remembered it wrong. My guess is that whether the... My guess is that whether the penthouse was 11,000 square feet or 33,000, it was probably worth the same amount either way. And either way, they were going to check, and he knew they were going to check. So you wouldn't tell that kind of a lie to somebody who's going to check. Don't the public records tell you the size of it? Sometimes they actually send somebody over to, to measure it. They'll literally send somebody with a, you know, a measuring device just to see if it really is. So that seems to be a complete corruption of justice. I wonder if there's any larger context in which we could understand this legal case. Huh. I wonder. Uh, we'll get to that. And uh, what I'm wondering is, uh, my understanding is that even though Trump is going to appeal, and I would expect it gets thrown out on appeal because it's so fucking stupid, um, I think that he's supposed to pay her first. Now, need, uh, that's my understanding. He has to pay her first, and then he can appeal. And if he wins, he gets it back. From whom? <laughs> I don't know. Does it go into escrow or something? And it just waits until they see if it's real? And then where would it go? Does it go to the government? I don't, I don't even know. So um, I've got a suggestion. If uh, Trump is short on cash, and I imagine he would, now, one way is to, to declare bankruptcy, but people don't understand bankruptcy. They're, they would just say he's bad at business and he's a crook. So you don't want to have that on your record, even, even though he's done it before, by the way. He's had some bankruptcies before, I think. Um, but you don't want to do that because it's just a bad look, especially when you're running for president. So if he needs the cash to pay off this enormous fine, which is uh, 10 trillion gazillion fazillion fazillion dollars, then 
I think he should get a bank loan. Because my understanding is the banks are really eager to do business with him because he's a really good customer. So maybe Deutsche Bank would uh, float him a loan so he could pay off these uh, penalties. What? Why are you laughing? That's where you go to get money. You go to a money, the banks are where you go to borrow money when you need money. If you have a temporary cash flow problem, where are you going to go? Was there some other way to do it? How do big companies act when they need a big loan? They go to a bank. You know, it's not something that you would do with issuing stock. You know, you don't want to issue stock to do it. You go to a loan or go to a bank. So I think you should go right back to Deutsche Bank. They're quite happy with them. And get himself a loan to pay off the thing. And he should declare that his penthouse is 33 square, 30, <laughs> 33,000 square feet. <laughs> Just for fun. Uh, anyway. Um, there's some indication there might be the beginning of what could be a trucker revolt on New York City. Um, I don't know how big this is, but I saw one trucker saying that a number of truckers were going to refuse loads to New York City. Now, I don't know much about the trucking industry, but can an individual operator say no to a specific route and a specific load? Or do they all have bosses? <clears throat> if they all have bosses, they can't do it. I'm seeing a lot of yeses. They must be independent contractors who, who take, take loads on demand. Is that what happens? So they could, they could literally say, I just won't go to New York. They could just say, there's enough, there's enough business, I'll just do other business. And somebody speculated, I saw online, that you wouldn't have to stop all deliveries to New York to make a dent. 10% would give them a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, 10% would be a big, big problem. Do I think that New York City should be crashed um, because of this hearing? Yeah, absolutely. That, that would be entirely appropriate citizen response. I think that if New York City can't act like a civilized place, civilized people shouldn't fucking go there. If New York City doesn't have a Department of Justice, if you're going to let crime run wild on the streets, and if you're going to try to uh, ruin... Uh, a presidential candidate for purely political reasons, obviously. No, you don't get food. You don't get food. Get your own fucking food. All right, so that might happen. I doubt you're going to see a trucker revolt on New York City, but it might. Have you all seen the AI called Sora from ChatGPT? So it allows you to write some text, and it turns it into a little movie. Well, a lot of people are saying it's not just going to be the cool new thing it does, but it's going to change humanity because you can text into a, a perfect film. Now, it takes a while to think about that before you can see how that could change humanity. But imagine, if you will, that anybody can create a photorealistic, engaging video that's not real, 
and that they will be so well done, you'll prefer them over reality. And imagine a world in which you're seeing things visually that didn't happen. Now, let's compare. Suppose you said, I think uh, Trump did a bad thing, whatever it is. Now, that's, you know, he said, she said, you just, you know, one team believes it's true, the other doesn't, but it's just words. Now, so, now imagine somebody speaks those words into AI, and then AI creates the movie where it puts the person you're accusing in the scene and shows them doing the crime that never happened. If you see a photorealistic crime on video, sounds like, looks like, is exactly like the real person, let's say Trump, are you ever going to be convinced it didn't happen? Nope, because your visual senses overwhelm your other senses. They're, they're the boss of your brain. Your visual sense is your truth, and everything else is just fighting for you know, little space. The truth is what you see. So if somebody creates a fake truth and just puts it in front of you, it doesn't matter if it says this was made by AI, it didn't really happen. It's still going to become your truth. Because <laughs> your eyes create your truth. And we can't turn that off. You don't, you don't have enough rational brain to say, I know that's AI. Nope. Yeah, so, some of you will in some cases, of course. There'll be, there'll be some of you can reject it. But mostly because you're on the other team. If you were on the team that was primed to believe that Trump would eat a baby, and you saw a video that showed him eating a baby, like just sticking a fork into a baby, half of them would believe it, just because they'd be primed. And then it becomes part of their permanent belief system because there's a visual to go along with it. Yeah, I do agree that when you can make any visual as compelling as reality, and anybody can do it, it's not limited to a movie production company working for two years to produce it, and you all know it's a movie because you went to a theater to see it. We don't know what's ahead. We really, really don't know what's coming. It could be good. could be bad. could be just a challenge. But, wow, it's going to be exciting. Um, did you see uh, Van Jones on Bill Maher? And, uh, uh, um, and he was with Ann Coulter. You, you have to watch the clips if you haven't seen them because they're talking about some, some shooting. And Bill Maher says, we don't, we don't know who did it. <laughs> and Ann Coulter just says sort of a low under her breath, well, we know a little bit about it. And then they say, what are you talking about? And Van Jones is sitting next to Ann Coulter as she's explaining what she means. She goes, well, we know they didn't tell us anything about the shooter, so that means, that, uh, that means it's not white. <laughs> and then she gave some examples to make her point. And you should see Van Jones' face when she's saying this right next to him. Because he knows it's true, but he also knows that the audience might have a different reaction. So he gets this, this face like, like, like he didn't, I think his face didn't know what to do. Because typically people are not confronted with truth right in front of them. Like if you're on CNN, you don't even see anybody talking anything that's true right in front of you. Like you see it on TV and stuff, but nobody's sitting next to you telling you something that's obvious and true. <laughs> so that was funny. And then Van Jones uh, had a narrative he was pushing 
the Democrat narrative, this is wonderful, that uh, Trump is the reason the border is open. Just hold that in your head. That the Democrat narrative, and Van Jones, who knows better? He knows better. right? He's not hypnotized like the others. He knows better. He's saying that the reason that Trump is to blame is that they had that excellent border bill that would have certainly made things different. And uh, because Trump was against it, the Republicans were against it too because they want to make him happy. And therefore, Trump is the reason the border's wide open. Now, everybody who's not in the hypnotized camp, you know, the, the, the poor bastards watching MSNBC and CNN and the mainstream media, every one of the people watching this knows that the border bill was a fake, right? Is there anybody who doesn't know that? I, I would say 100% of the people watching this live stream now are completely aware that the border bill was a fake. I don't need to go into the details. It wasn't trying to close the border. And so with or without that bill, it had nothing to do with the border. It, basically, it was going to process them faster. <laughs> it, it was basically a nothing in terms of closing the border. So um, that's interesting. Um, but if you really want some fun, I, I reposted this this morning so you can find it in my feed. So uh, somebody named Jay Stewart uh, compiled 10 clips of Bill Maher not understanding anything about anything. <laughs> and when you see them all together, it's really shocking. And what it is is you can tell he's been poisoned by the mainstream media narratives and their, their entire, entire topics that are just really central to understanding the news, they never heard of. And when you see them all together, it's like, oh my fucking God. Oh my God. There's so much that's obvious and true that he's never seen, never even heard of. I think MK Ultra was one. Never heard of it. Imagine. How would you understand the world? I mean, just really basic stuff. All right. Um, uh, I've got a question for you. Uh, I want you to tell me if this is an example of hate speech or a really funny joke. Now, I'm not giving you this because I think it's funny, because it might just be hate speech. So we're, we're speaking of this not as humor, which would be, I think, uncouth and uncalled for. So if I can ask all of you to be on your best behavior, to be kind to people, and simply judge whether this is a hilarious comment or hate speech, which would be terrible, because I don't want any of that. All right? And it's a, a comment uh, on uh, Admiral Rachel Levine, uh, you know Admiral Rachel Levine. She's uh, she's trans. And it was said on video the other day, uh, quote, climate change is having a disproportionate effect on black communities. Now, Seth Dillon, who's the CEO of the Babylon Bee, a satirical site, had a comment, and this is what I'm going to ask you. I, I just want your opinion. Is this a hate speech or the funniest thing you've heard today? And I just think it's, it's terrible. Personally, I think it's terrible. But I want to see what you say. So after Admiral Rachel Levine said, climate change is having a disproportionate effect on black communities, Seth Dillon posted, man dressed as woman says weather is racist. 
Now that's not funny. Oh, you bastards. Oh, you're, you're terrible. Some of you are laughing at that. Like it's a joke. Come on. Come on, grow up. Well, I'm disgusted with all of you. And, and I've lost all respect. I've lost all respect. So can you join me in condemning Seth Dillon and the entire Babylon Bee for imagining that there's any humor to be found in this situation? No, there's not. It's not funny, and we will not put up with it. Next story. Ezra Klein, who's a columnist for the New York Times, which is important to this story, uh, he has a podcast, and he called on President Biden to, uh, to bow out and go out a hero. <laughs> I, I don't have to add the jokes anymore, do I? I feel like my entire role has been taken from me. Like I used to like, here's the news. Now watch what I do with it. Watch me take this news and turn it into a joke. Now I'm like, I could be replaced by a toaster. Yeah. He wants, uh, wants Biden to go out a hero. I have nothing to say about that. I have no, what am I going to add to that? Uh, it can't get any funnier. But it's happening. All right. Uh, Michael Schellenberger and uh, Matt Taibbi are behind a bombshell new report that says that, can you believe this? I know. You're all going to be shocked by this because you didn't know. I mean, this is something you couldn't have possibly known was happening in reality behind the scenes. See if this shocks you. Bombshell report. Russia didn't want Trump to win in 2016. They wanted Hillary. And the CIA knew it. And Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, manufactured evidence for the Russia hoax. And that there's a document that people have seen that has been, I guess, a whistleblower. And the document is a 50-page thing that details their plot to, quote, cook the intelligence until it made it look like it was the opposite and that Russia really wanted Trump to win when, in fact, they were well aware that Russia wanted Hillary to win, probably for the same reason that Putin said he likes Biden because they're traditional and predictable. So, <clears throat> now, uh, as Michael Schellenberger said, he was on Jesse Waters' show, and Schellenberger says, you probably think this is an old story. How many of you thought this that you already knew it, it was an old story, like before this week? It sounded familiar, didn't it? Do you know why you think it's an old story? Because you fucking knew it. You fucking knew it was true. Yeah, you knew it. You didn't, need, you didn't need a whistleblower. You didn't need confirmation. It was kind of obvious that the entire thing was a hoax. And that, now the part that's new is knowing that there might be an actual document and knowing that Brennan was you know, clearly the, the head of the spear. I think that was obvious if you saw him on TV. And, and that the CIA literally knew that, uh, that Hillary was preferred by Russia. So, just hold that in your head for a moment. All right, I want you to hold all the stories I've told so far in your head 
because there's a, there's a climax coming in which it's all going to get tied together. And you don't want to leave before that. It's going to be good. <laughs> all right, next story that we're going to tie all together in the end is uh, Wall Street uh, Silver on X is, is uh, reporting that... Uh, uh, Oh, this is from, uh, let's see, uh, I think this was from RFK Jr. That uh, even if Ukraine war ends today, there'll be another uh, half a trillion spent there rebuilding the country, and the U.S. might be putting a lot of that money up. So the real expense might be in winning. It might be more expensive to win. And who do you think is going to build that? Hmm. I wonder who would do all that rebuilding. The contracts to rebuild are even bigger than the war contracts, says RFK. Uh, Mitch McConnell was asked in March if we could afford $113 billion for Ukraine. He said, don't worry, this is Mitch McConnell, don't worry, it's not really going to Ukraine, it's going to U.S. military contractors. And RFK Jr. says it's all just a money laundering scheme. And that Raytheon, General Dynamics, Boeing, and Lockheed, BlackRock owns them all by owning their stock. So BlackRock would be uh, rebuilding the country and rearming it and making trillions of dollars. And RFK Jr. thinks that we're not there for, let's say, strategic geopolitical reasons, but rather the entire thing is a fake-out and a money-laundering operation. Does that sound true? Do you think it's mostly a money operating money? Uh, you know, I think it could be a combination of a bunch of things. I think there are some people who you know believe they're stopping Russia. I think there are other people who are opportunistically saying, "Well, if we're going to be f- fighting Russia anyway, might as well make some money." And then there are probably other people who literally are pushing it just because they're making money and don't really care about how many people die. So it's probably not all one thing. It's probably a, a big mess of horribleness all in one place. But um, let me ask you this. If you're like me, have you had a bunch of mysteries about why things are the way they are? Have you asked yourself, why is the border open? Have you asked yourself, why is Soros funding the things he's funding? Like, what's up with that? Like, it doesn't make sense. And, and have you noticed that there's just a whole bunch of things that feel different in the last few years as if you can't tell who's in charge? Have you noticed that? Like, you've got this Biden person that you imagine is in the job that would be in charge, but he's clearly not. So how do you explain all the mysteries? Turns out there's an answer to all of it. There's an answer to all of it. And I'm going to recommend something, uh, the strongest recommend, recommendation I've ever made on anything, on any topic. Th- this is a must-do. This is mandatory. If you're going to watch any more of my live streams, you have to watch Mike Benz uh, talking on uh, Tucker's show. You can only see it on X, I believe, or maybe Tucker's site. But Mike Benz describes the answer to every mystery. In other words, who's actually in charge? 
Now, I can't do the hard work of explaining what he's going to explain. I'm gonna, I'll just hit some points, but know that just listening to me isn't, isn't going to get you there because you have to see the entire tapestry to understand it at all. Right? I'll give you just some of the highlights, but trust me, take an hour off and sit there with somebody you love or just a friend and listen to it together and just watch each other's heads expand and explode. It will feel like a mushroom trip. Part of it is that the information is mind-blowing and you know, well-credible. It's all credible. Part of it is that Mike Benz does the most extraordinary job of communicating that you're ever going to see in your life. He talks almost, he does almost all the talking for an hour, and you will be riveted, and there will be no, no slow parts. For one hour, he will have you just looking at it like with your eyes open, like, wait, what? what? Wait, what? What? And watch, watch Tucker's reaction throughout. throughout. He's, he's actually stunned. Tucker is stunned. He, can't, he doesn't even know what to say. So I'll just give you a little bit of a taste of it, but you got to, got to, absolutely have to watch it. All right? it's, it's just not even, it's not even optional. You got to watch it. So do that for me. Um, and I'm not exaggerating when I say it might be the most entertaining thing I've ever watched because it did feel like a mushroom trip. It was like an out-of-body experience. It was that, it, I'm, all right, you get the idea. <clears throat> Here are some of the things. Um, if you go back in history, um, here's uh, some of the mysteries that I've wondered about. Do you ever wonder why Google was so successful and Facebook was so successful? And you said to yourself, well, you know, got some geniuses. Well, it might be, and it seems quite clear, that the entire intention of building up an Internet communication thing was so that the CIA could control the news everywhere. <laughs> so it's probably not a, not a uh, mystery why companies like Google and Facebook got so big so quickly. It's because the uh, CIA needed to create these tools to control other countries because their main job is overthrowing other countries. And the main way you do that the number one way you do that is to control their information. If you can control their information and the internet had to be controlled, then you can control them and do color revolutions. The color revolution is where you, uh, you, you fund some dissidents, you control the media, and then the media says the leader is bad, and then the, the dissidents get everybody else in because they don't know it's being controlled by the CIA. They think it's organic, so they join. Now you've got this fake organic people who don't know that they were organized by the CIA, and then you've got the fake news telling them that they're right, and then it just plays out, and it leads to revolution. So these were tools that the uh, CIA was using primarily to take over other countries, and they had a, a big uh, network built to do that. Now here's one of the things I learned, which I had predicted in my book, The Religion War, about 20 years ago. So this was actually a prediction in my book. Apparently they mapped influence. 
They created a map or a series of maps so they could show what groups or people were influencing what other groups or people. And the reason they did that is they, they know who to suppress. Just hold that in your mind. They figured out who was the most influential people and groups online so they could suppress them. That was the point of it. Yeah. And, of course, they were doing this with uh, um, foreign countries. And then a bad thing happened. And this is Mike Benz is telling. He tells it much better. In 2016, unexpectedly, uh, against 20 to 1 odds, Trump won. And all the people who had built up these capabilities to do these amazing cyber things to other countries, such as Russia, were out of a job. And they had all these skills for overthrowing countries. And suddenly they were told that Trump is a real enemy and that Trump might even be working with Russia. Now, did you ever wonder why everything was Russia, Russia, Russia? This is why. The people and the tools that were anti-Russia people were, were just uh, repurposed into being anti-Trump people, and the best way to do that would to be to pretend he's really Russia. Just say he's Russia. He's working with Russia. Russia embraces him. Russia is colluding with him. So that whole thing was made up because they had a whole anti-Russia machine and people trained. And so if they could make it all one thing, they could you know, control Trump, keep him out of office. Now, if you think it's a Democrat thing, it probably wasn't. It probably is a populist or an anti-populist thing. So as Mike Benz speculates, and I would agree, that Bernie Sanders would have been treated the same as Trump. So it wasn't about left or right. It was about populist versus people they could control. The people they could control are going to do stuff like take over Ukraine. Bernie wouldn't. Trump wouldn't. So the things that they wanted to do, who are the people in power, they couldn't do with a Trump or a Bernie. So it's not left or right. It's just no populists because populists stop wars. And... So all of these people turned their tools domestically, but that's illegal. It's, it's illegal. So what did they do to solve the problem that it would be illegal to use these, these tools domestically? They changed language. Because if you can change language, then the thing that was uh, illegal, according to your language, could become legal simply because you changed words. So in other words, this whole domestic terrorism of uh, white supremacists and domestic terrorism, it was as fake as you thought it was. And the entire purpose of it was to say that there's uh, terrorism inside the country, so the external-facing tools, which were now substantial, they, had map, they could map influence, and they could shut it down through their control of the social media companies and the mainstream media. So they turned inward, made Trump the same as Russia with a fake narrative, the John Brennan narrative, and then they mapped the influencers and then they suppressed them. People like me. People like me on YouTube right now. 
So I'm literally on YouTube right now with an account that is growing in all of their ways except on YouTube. YouTube has me capped at about the same traffic, no matter my topic, with one exception. Do you know what the exception was? Can you tell me what was the one day my uh, traffic on YouTube was not seemingly, seemingly, artificially capped? It was the day I got canceled. Yep. So when I got canceled, my traffic was, you know, I don't know, 10 times. And as soon as I stopped talking about that, right back to baseline. None of that's organic. doesn't look like it. So there's one of those mysteries for you. The mystery was, why does my traffic on YouTube never go up? I mean, I give you this quality content every day. should go up. Well, it turns out that uh, YouTube is part of Google. Google is probably under CIA control and always has been, same as the other uh, social medias except for X. And they have a map that they can tell who is influential. There's no way in the world I'm not on that map. And so I'm being suppressed <laughs> in my own country for being connected to terrorism. Because in all likelihood, some of you do some social media things that are connected to something that somebody would call terrorism, domestic terrorism. You know, because they can change language, not because it really is. So, going on. So, once the uh, machine turned inward, you could see all of the tools that they were using, such as the Justice Department, Do you see all the lawfare against Trump? And you say to yourself, hey, that looks like a lot of coincidences. It's not. So the justice system is corrupted by the cabal. Now, in Mike Ben's telling of it, the uh, Atlantic Council is the group that's sort of pulling the strings for war and energy and the big questions, the the big geopolitical stuff. Now, he said that they're made up of... um, seven ex-heads of the CIA. I, I, I did a little research. I didn't see that. But is that a fact? Is that true? Uh, I'll tell you some of the people I did see on the list, the Atlantic Council. Uh, we got the chairman and CEO of Pfizer. Hold on. Just process that. The group I say is running the world, or Mike Ben say, and I'm agreeing with him, has a advisory board, and one of the people on it is uh, the chairman and CEO of Pfizer. The others on it are, uh, these are just a few, there's lots of them. Uh, former U.S. chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the former U.S. director of national intelligence, a guy named James Clapper. Do you, remember, do you remember seeing Brennan and Clapper sitting next to each other, telling you that the Russia collusion was real? So, so one of the main Russia collusion guys is one of the main guys on the Atlantic Council with a whole bunch of ex-military and spy people and CEOs of company like, did I mention Pfizer? Yeah. Why is Pfizer even in this group? (laughs) How does it even make sense? Does everything start to make sense now? Everybody in this group is making shit ton of money by doing everything bad in the world. 
everything that you don't want to happen is coming out of the same group. Now, here's another mystery. What's up with George Soros? You ever wonder about that? What the hell's up with George Soros? Because I could never understand why he would be funding things that are clearly destructive. And now I understand. He's connected to the Atlantic Council. <laughs> He's their bank. He uses them to do stuff they can't do because he can do it. He's got money and he's got these organizations. So now put it all together. The Atlantic Council apparently is the, the real power, not Biden and not Obama and not Hillary Clinton. It appears that they are associated with this group, but they're not the heads of the snake. It's probably a, a loose you know, bunch of people, a cabal of people who individually have power, but collectively they have interests. That's what it looks like. And so now put it all together. There's the Atlantic Council, and they happily work with the uh, Open Society Soros Group. Soros funded a whole bunch of prosecutors in the United States, and you said, why is he funding prosecutors that are letting criminals out of jail? You couldn't understand it, right? It was like a mystery. He lives in this country. Like, why would he want crime everywhere? Now, it's those same prosecutors who are putting, uh, basically taking Trump off the field or trying to. Do you understand yet? The letting criminals out of jail part was never important. The controlling the courts was the important part because now they have people who will put in jail any Republican who causes trouble, like Trump. So they can basically jail any populist with the legal system because the Atlantic Council works with Soros. Soros funds his prosecutors. Prosecutors can put you in jail. A lot of mysteries are solved now. Let's do another one. How about the open border? Have you been puzzled why there's an open border? If I had to guess, I would say the Atlantic Council or the CIA who's probably working with them probably are just working with the cartels. That's probably the whole reason. I don't think there's any mystery to it anymore because we know they could close the border anytime they wanted to, right? So it does seem that the Atlantic Council and the CIA probably have some mutual interest. Might be financial, might be power, but it's pretty obvious that the cartels could be closed down if the people in power wanted that to happen. So that mystery feels solved to me. How about DEI? Did you ever wonder about DEI? You know, another thing that's got a lot of Soros funding. Do you think that the DEI is to make the world a nicer place? That's probably what a lot of people working on it think it's about. You know what it's probably about? It's probably about creating another weapon, much like the prosecutors. So if they can't get you for legal reasons, they can cancel you for being a racist. Sound familiar? <clears throat> I think DEI is only a weapon to be used against populists. The populists are the one who say, hey, let's protect America, and that might include closing borders, and it might include you know, not being so, uh, let's see, be more, uh, 
meritocracy-oriented and less race-oriented. So, interestingly, a thing that doesn't make any sense for the health of the country is a gigantic thing. And it's all connected back to weird funding from a weapon that will definitely take down a lot of populists, but is unlikely to take down any Democrats. Right? So do you remember how I got canceled? The Washington Post was the lead, and everybody else just folded after them. The Washington Post is a CIA entity. (laughs) Does it surprise you at all that I was canceled? So apparently this this big blob can take out anybody because they got a DEI tool. They can always accuse you of being racist, and then they have the entire media that will support their story. So here are two things that wouldn't work unless you also own the media. The, these Soros prosecutors and the lawfare they're doing against Trump, that would never work if the media were honest. Do you agree? If the media were honest, even a little bit, you couldn't do that stuff, not right in front of the public. But as long as the media can say his financial crimes were so horrible that it will destroy the financial system, possibly civilization itself, and then cannibalism. And if the media tells you that, and that's what MSNBC is saying without the cannibalism, um, and CNN, then you think it's true. And you think these are uh, perfectly good uses of the Department of Justice. Same with DEI. DEI is basically uh, something that the press will support And it's just a weapon. So these things that don't make sense to you, they're weapons. (laughs) They're weapons against populists. And then it all makes sense. As soon as you see it, everything that was a mystery completely makes sense. Why do we have a president who is obviously brain dead and is not being removed by his own party? There's no mystery to that. He's not in charge. The only thing an American president can do under our current system is name post offices. I guess that's Congress. But basically, you know, the little domestic stuff nobody cares about. But if it comes to war or energy or geopolitics, apparently the president's not in charge. It seems to be some loose cabal of uh, ex-CIA people. All right. Um, And then why the war in Ukraine? It's exactly what you think, because the same group of people found a way to turn it into a piggy bank. They may have some problem with Russia as well, but uh, yeah. Um, The Atlantic Council, I'd like to mention uh, one other company. There are a number of companies that contribute, too, because they they raise money for their operation. Uh, So I looked at the list of contributors. I found this company. I don't know if you've heard of this. So this is a contributor to the Atlantic Council. It's a company called uh, Burisma. Has anybody heard of that one? It's called Burisma. How's your head? Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, I just read it this morning. I didn't hear it from somebody. I looked myself. It's on their official website. It's on their website. There's a list, a list of donors. So one of the members is the head of Pfizer and is partly funded, not that much, but is partly funded by Burisma. Lots of other entities as well. 
Now let me ask you a hypothetical question. Um, I need a fact check on this seven prior CIA people being at the Atlantic Council. I hope I got that right. Has anybody seen a confirmation of that? The seven ex-CIA heads? I know. It doesn't sound right. Do I, am I mixing up organizations? <clears throat> Do I have the wrong organization? See the link above. You've seen it? Is there a Pacific Council? Oh, no, Pacific Council, okay. <clears throat> so I, I can't, apparently NATO works with these guys. Anyway, if I, if I have the organizations mixed up, you can correct it after the show. <laughs> so No, it's not the World Economic Forum. Anyway, um, if there's an entity that has uh, seven ex-CIA people on it, plus the heads of, you know, ex-heads of our military, um, do you think that anybody is the boss of them? If, if there is such an organization that has all the ex-heads of the CIA, they don't have a boss. You get that? They don't have a boss because nobody could be their boss. Um, well, they might have somebody who takes the lead on some things, but no, they would not have a boss. They would be sort of co-equals. So, yeah, definitely the president is not in charge of the big stuff. I think that's obvious. All right. Let's see if these stories make sense to you now. CBS just did a story uh, criticizing what some consumers are saying about the Cybertruck. Does it matter what they're criticizing about the Cybertruck? No, that's not important to the story. What's important is the CBS, who is allegedly one of the mainstream entities who are really just um, puppets for the main powers, uh, as Mike Benz could explain to you, is going after Musk because he's not in the control of the people who want to be in control. So that people like Trump are being attacked with the, the entire justice system. You're seeing all of the areas of the government being weaponized against Musk. And now you see the media supporting them with stories about his products. Do you see it yet? None of it's organic. This is all organized attacks on citizens of the United States, largely by citizens of the United States. Um, Elon Musk himself said yesterday, the public still doesn't understand even a tiny fraction of the power of the censorship government industrial complex. As predicted, my companies and I came under relentless attacks the moment the censorship of the platform was lifted. How far will they go to stop me? Well, so far, he lost $56 billion in pay because the state of Delaware said, nope, you can't have it. Trump has lost... Uh, with $450 billion, if you count the interest, and could bankrupt him. Uh, I was canceled, and my entire income was erased. Do you see it yet? Everybody see it? Yeah. So now the powers that be have assembled a set of tools which they can use internally to, first of all, map out who is influential, and then they can target them, and they can kill them with DEI. Hey, they're a racist, and then the media will back them. 
They can kill him with the legal system. Hey, he committed a crime, and even if he didn't, the media will back it. So even if, even if later it's overturned, it doesn't matter. The public will still think it's a crime. Um, so it looks like they control uh, you know, all the various departments through Soros. They, they control all the external entities. They control the internal fact-checkers. And then there are groups like the, uh, you know, the ADL that are probably have some funding connection to the whole blob. So pretty much everything internally is fake uh, and not what you think it is. But it does answer all the mysteries. All the mysteries. <laughs> this, this is why my mind was so blown listening to Mike Benz, because it removed every mystery I've had. Every single thing is explained. All of it. And let me, uh, here's a story. I don't know if this is true, but uh, Texas Lindsay was posting this. Uh, CNBC was caught on a hot mic uh, with an interview with uh, Meta's president of global affairs, and they asked him how many, I guess, how many people were working on um, disinformation. Now, remember I told you that they changed language so that they could use their external spy tools internally. Disinformation is whatever they say is disinformation. So what really is happening is they want to get rid of information that's not convenient. So they just say it's disinformation. So how much disinformation uh, effort is Meta doing? Well, here's the exchange. It's CNBC. How many people do you have working on election misinformation? Meta. We have around 40,000 people working on integrity and safety. Wait, what? 40,000? And apparently the hot mic caught the CNBC host saying, 40,000? They only have 67,000 employees. And then Meta, the Meta person, kept going, and he said, we spend around $20 billion on this issue. We spent $5 billion last year alone on election integrity. Do you know what election integrity means? It primarily means telling the public that voting by absentee ballot or voting by mail is totally safe, which is absolutely not true. So this voter integrity is to lie to the country so that voting by mail is popular. Now, according to Mike Benz, the CIA knew before um, 2020 election that mass, mass uh, mail-in votes would favor Democrats, and it would be a real problem if Trump seemed to have won by a lot, um, but then later the votes came in, you know, the mail-in votes were counted and it flipped it, which is what happened. So the CIA knew in advance that having a emergency, let's say COVID, that moved them into a mail-in ballot situation or allowed them to exploit that. They knew that that would allow them to win, and they knew that the public would not trust that it was a legitimate election. So they had plans to deal with it. <laughs> Just think about that. The CIA knew who was going to win because they had gamed the system to make it so. That's the, that's the allegation. And certainly, you probably said to yourself, how can it be true that a protest 
was turned into an insurrection. Well, this is why. There, there's no mystery to it. Uh, the news is controlled, so they can just say that a protest is an insurrection, and it gives them more tools to arrest Trump and to um, hunt and suppress his followers and put populists in jail. So yeah, that's all crooked. So all the, the social media networks, except for X, appear to be owned by uh, the system, and they're spending tremendous amounts of money to make sure you do not hear the truth. That really is what they're suppressing, is the truth. And it's very direct. Um, <laughs> Dr. Cornell West had a funny quote. He said, when I look at Donald Trump, I see civil war, number two. When I look at Joe Biden, I see world war, number three. He's good at that stuff, <laughs> isn't he? Like that, that man can turn a phrase. Um, the civil war, I, you know, I don't think it'll be a literal civil war, but you can see that division would be through the roof. So did you wonder why everything went wrong in this country? You, know, you thought just everything was broken? It turns out there might be one group of people who are easily identified who have created a behemoth of interconnecting web of power that just broke everything. Because what you think is broken is not broken from their perspective. Because if they weaponize something, it's not broken to them. <laughs> you know? The gun ownership might look broken to some people because so many people get killed by guns. But it's not broken if you need a gun to defend your house. Right? To you, it's just a weapon. If you're the person who doesn't own a gun, it's a huge problem. It's a, it's a risk. If you own a gun and you need it to shoot the guy who came in your house to shoot you, it's a tool. So what you think is everything in society broken is somebody else's weapon that's working exactly the way they wanted it to, and that's why it maintains. The reason it's not self-correcting is that the people in charge of it don't want it corrected because that would take their weapon away. How's your brain doing? <laughs> yeah, your brain's probably exploding. You have no idea how bad it's going to get until you listen to Mike Benz. Yeah. So, how much danger do you think I'm in, personally? How much danger, like physical and legal financial danger? I, I know I'm in financial danger. Um, obviously, financial peril. But what about physical? I don't think I'm in physical danger. And here's why. I believe that everything I say reaches zero Democrats. <laughs> Nothing I say reaches any Democrats. Because, because I'm an accused racist, I can't be on television, right? I can't be on television. I can be on podcasts of people who largely agree with me. So I'm just talking to people who don't need any convincing because they're already there. So I've been completely uh, neutralized, completely neutralized. Do you, do you think a lot of Democrats are in the feed right now? So I'm on YouTube, which in theory could be discovered by anybody. So in, in the comments on uh, the other platforms, on let's say just YouTube. If you're on YouTube, are you a Democrat? 
there's something wrong with the comments, it looks like, so probably I won't say. But I'll bet you I get basically no Democrats. So if the CIA slash platforms can simply make me talk to myself, that's all they need to do. But you can't do that with Trump because Trump is going to be heard. He's too big. You can't do it with Musk because Musk is too big. So you go have to go after their finances. You have to go after them financially. You have to go after them legally. But me, they already won. I'm completely neutralized because I have no contact with Democrats or anybody who needs to know the truth. So I can sit here and tell you, oh yeah, the entire thing is rigged. In my opinion, we don't have a democracy anymore, if we ever did. We don't have a republic. We, we have something closer to a Russian, Chinese, Iranian situation where there's a group of people whose uh, interests run everything. Um, but if they killed me, let's say if they killed me or jailed me, uh, it would be hard to ignore me. But if they just let me talk on my little channels that nobody sees but people who already agree with me, I have no effect on anything. I'm actually the safest person they could possibly worry about. Remember, they have, they have influence maps. So they can see how I could possibly get to a Democrat, and they can just clip it off. They can just prune that part of my tree so that my message goes out to everybody who's already convinced and just stops when it might have gotten to some population that wasn't, had never heard it before. That's complete control. Complete control. So, what happened in 2016 appears to be catching them off guard. Caught them off guard. Didn't see it coming because the polls were wrong. So, what's it going to take to fix it? I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But I will tell you that one thing that could fix it is an overwhelming victory by Trump. Uh, then they'd have to show their hand. Uh, we're, we might be close to the point where they don't have to hide it anymore. I think we might be there. I, I think they probably don't have to hide it anymore because it's just so powerful. Uh, there's nothing you could do. All right. That, ladies and gentlemen, concludes the mind-breaking stories of today. I'm going to say bye to uh, platforms of YouTube and Rumble and X. Uh, if, you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to be watching the Dilbert Reborn comic, uh, I remind you that it's subscription only now, so I can hide from the bad guys. And it's on the X platform. You can see my profile for that. Or on Locals, where you get lots of other stuff. And if you were watching it today, you would see that uh, uh, Dilbert's garbage man is training his own AI model using the garbage that he encounters on his route. And Dilbert's confused. He says, I didn't know you could train AI on garbage. And garbage man says, well, there's a lot you don't know. And then Dilbert realizes, you're, you're training the AI through the garbage to make movies, right? And then the garbage man says, I got a five-film deal from Disney. So that's the sort of stuff you're missing, things I couldn't do in my syndication days, and now I can say directly anything I want.
you know, within reason. And uh, that's what you're missing. So thanks for joining YouTube Rumble and X, and I will see you tomorrow morning, same place, same time.